the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former ticket holder for the National League Championship Series. You know what? We're going to talk about winning in a minute. How do you? Let's just get this over with. Here we go. Congratulations, San Diego Padres. Great job. You deserve it. You slayed the giant. You really did. It sounded like this. One strike away. Hater to Freeman. There you go. San Diego Padres defeated the 111-win Dodgers, and um, congratulations. Good for you guys. It's You know, I spent half my life in San Diego next to the Dodgers. I'm a, a Padre fan, and I'll tell you what, I'm with the Padres all the way now. I'm, I'm for the Padres, number one, and then secondly, I'm for any team that beats the cheating Astros. So that's where we're at with this. You know, in L.A., we've uh, it's been a rough time. You know, it feels good to win. I'm happy for everybody in San Diego. Let me say something to you. Let me ask you this question. Are you winning in your life? Is is winning a word? And I mean daily. I mean daily wins. I don't mean like your whole life. I mean this daily. Can you have daily wins? Because sometimes we're maybe we feel like we're on a losing streak or we feel like we can't compete or we're not going to slay the giant that is coming our way. We feel like maybe God isn't paying attention to our situation. Let me tell you something. He is. And what I want to talk about is how to win. And I there's a biblical formula for how to win every single day in your life. And if you've got a story about how you're winning every day, give me a call. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. That's 888-LA-TALKS. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, so... I'm wondering if if people sometimes think that winning is a dirty word. It's not. The Bible tells us that we can win. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You know what? I'm, as I'm reading that, we when do you hear that verse most of the time? You know what? You hear it at funerals so often, right? This is a very popular end-of-life verse. And, of course, it's talking about death, and so it makes sense to use it at at funerals. But listen to this. The next part of it, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory. In other words, he gives us the win. He gives us the W. He gives us the championship through our Lord Jesus Christ. Continues, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. How do you have victory? 
do you have victory? Really good pastor friend of mine. He loves to say that, and it's so encouraging. He will call, and he will say, Scott, I'm praying that you have victory today. Now, it doesn't have to mean anything specific in his mind, but he has something very specific, actually, that he means, meaning that he's not talking about a situation that I'm in. He's talking about just one day and winning and having victory. It's not the defeat of your enemy. It's not the defeat of your arch rival, at least in the flesh, but it's the winning them over to Christ. You see, that's winning. That's what is strategic. We have a, we have the ability to win every single day. And I want to talk to you that if you are somebody who feels like spiritually you're winning, that you can get up every day and and win. Today is the day to tell your story, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Seven is the number. Now, when I think about winning, I I feel like sometimes we live in a we live in a time where we are a little bit defeatist. I mean, when you look at the issues of our day, do you have you become somebody who maybe is complacent about it? To continue the baseball analogy, I think you know lots of people in Los Angeles or Dodger fans are going to question how can a team win 10 years in a row and only win one World Series in a shortened season, and we don't even want to talk about that, and, um, and continue to, to not have that kind of victory. Is there some kind of way that we can organize that in our life? The Bible tells us we have victory. You used to sing a song in church called Victory in Jesus. What does that mean to you? Victory. Do you see it that way? Do you see your life that way as saying victory in Jesus? You know, scripturally, there are things that we can do every single day to have actual victory. When I say victory, what comes to your mind? When I'm thinking of victory here, the reason that you can have victory is if you order your loves correctly. The great uh, old uh, church father, I believe it was Augustine, he talked about victory happens when you have your loves in the right order, the things that you love in your life in the right order, that when you actually do things in the order that God has put them there, when you do things in a way that your loves are in the right order, what he means by that is, is we all love a bunch of things, what is where is the victory victory in winning it feels great to win it's hard to lose it's harder to lose when you're expected to win and usually in those cases you lose because your strategy because your strategy didn't come through what's your strategy here's the winning strategy ready it's matthew 6 jesus tells us what this winning strategy is matthew 6 33 34 but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Here's the context for you. The context of Jesus talking about that is worry. I think that worry takes away the victory we can have each and every day, that sometimes we worry about things that we can't control, and we're worried about our finances, and we've got good reason to, because today it's a difficult economy. We worry about the, the election coming up, and, you know, I'm not sure that at least in California, we're going to vote to make things different. And, you know, that should tell us that probably things are going to wind up the same. And we start to think about these kinds of things. But Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for each day will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
the context of worry and every day. What do you do every day? What are the things that you are most concerned about every day to have victory? Do you ever come home and just feel like today was a, a victorious day? That's what I want to help you do. You know, in, in uh, the baseball analogy, you know, let me tell you what's missing from the Dodgers, since this is uh, you know, most of the news here in Southern California, or the winning news if you're in San Diego. The Dodgers don't win because something is wrong with the order of their loves. Can I tell you that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that. Their heart is wrong. Look at the heart of the Padres to win, the, the attitude of win, the strategy to win. And you know, maybe the Dodgers are too complacent. Their loves are ordered in the wrong, in the wrong somewhere. You know, in, in baseball, you leave the pitcher in if he's dominating. You don't take him out because the statistics say that in the sixth inning he'll start to get tired. I think that matters a lot. First John chapter 5 This is what we learn about victory in Jesus. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Let me ask you that. Do you love God and carry out his commands? Like really in your life. If you're wondering about victory each day, if you're wondering about winning, how to win, it begins there, doesn't it? If you come home at night, I don't know about you, but when I I come home, I have to decompress a little bit. Some of you are doing that on the drive home. I get to do that on the drive home. It's It's a good period of time. I need a little bit of time to assess the day. And I can tell you what makes a better day. Not just if the show goes well or not just if different things at work go well or if different things in my family are good. You know, things happen all the time that you you can't control. And it can be very frustrating. But did I live my best life today with respect to putting the kingdom of God first or did I put the kingdom of God second? And sometimes that has to do with sin, right? We sin and we do things that we know isn't right for us. But, you know, there are things that that we can put first that, that we often say. We often say family first or marriage first or kids first or grandkids first, retirement first, health care first, learning first, job first. All these things are, are good things. But these are always important parts of our life, and they affect every other part of life. If we are neglecting our family or our schooling or our career or the things that, or retirement or other things, those things, you know, they begin to come into focus. So what really is motivating you? What is the the thing that is the main thing? First John chapter five, verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well. Over and over again in scripture, we have this idea of, of loving others and how to have victory. And the victory is always placed in one place, in Jesus Christ. The victory is not in John, and the victory is not in Paul, and the victory is not in Peter. The victory is not meant to be in you. It's in doing the things that God calls us to do. We love God, and then we love the people that God has made. And in particular, our neighbor, and especially the people closest to us. We love our neighbor as ourself. We give as we would give to ourself. It doesn't say, notice it doesn't say uh, that you don't care for yourself. You do, but it's kind of assumed in there, isn't it? Jesus would tell us in John 13, same writer, John, in his gospel, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think that the first thing that if you want to have victory every day as Jesus told us in Matthew 6, is you got to seek first the kingdom of God. And you, that means the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is, God, what can I do for your kingdom today? What do the people in my life need from me today? 
not just can I do well at my job, I should do well at my job. I should do everything as unto the Lord. It matters. But what is it that I can do to love others, this this self-sacrificing love? And see, these things that Jesus is saying, it's not a suggestion. It's not even a piece of advice. It's a command from your Lord and King. It matters. And it's a command because he wants you to win. He wants you to have victory in Jesus each and every day, not just victory in whatever it is you want to accomplish. See, the interesting thing is he says, seek first the kingdom, and then all these things will be added to you. You have dreams, and you have desires, and you have things that you want to accomplish. And those things are all fine if they're ordered in the right way. If you put those things above God, then your loves are out of order. That's what Augustine was saying, that if you have, even if it's your family, even if it's your marriage, even if it is something, your job, something very, very important, it's your politics, it's your country, it's whatever it is. If those things are above God, then you're not going to see victory. You're going to have disappointment. You're going to have struggle. You're going to have that time when you come home from work and you decompress and you start to say, man, today was not a good day and I can't figure it out. I mean, sometimes you have a lousy day and you can figure out exactly what it was, right? I I messed up here at work or I said this and I shouldn't have said this to somebody at work or somebody in my family. You can, you, there's an event, something that happened, you know, and you lost. But even in our losses, if our, if our loves are ordered correctly, if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, we say to ourselves, how do I take this defeat that I have suffered at work or this failure or this mistake and turn it around for something that's God honoring? Do you think that way? Is this the, is this, does this go on in your mind? I promise you that whenever it does, and we all struggle with this, right? I do a lot. But when I put into perspective that Jesus is in control, that his word is true, and that he does take care of the sparrow and he's clothing the flowers and he knows what's going on with me, and that his command to me was to love others and that I shouldn't worry, and that I should just take it one day at a time. Then I can get up every single day and say, I can have victory for today. Everybody, I want you to have victory. I think it's a discouraging day that we live in. You you might be frustrated because of contemporary events. Maybe you're a Dodger fan, and you did have tickets for the games, and now you're, you don't know what to do with those. Well, you don't have them. You don't have to pay for them. That's nice. Um, maybe you're a Padre fan, and you have victory, and for you— it's just a different world, isn't it? It's like this is a victory you've only had twice in the history. But what are you going to do with it? And what happens if you go all the way? I think you could. I think the Padres could actually get to the World Series, beat the Phillies, and hopefully beat the cheating Astros. But so what? Where's the victory? The victory is how we present ourselves. The victory is do we leverage those things for the sake of others? If you're a Christian and you're a player or you're a Christian and you are a fan or a Christian and you don't care about baseball or sports, but you're just living your life. Are you seeking the kingdom of God first? Are your loves ordered? Think about this for a second. You love God first, and then you love others as yourself. This is, this is the winning formula. This is something that when you get up in the morning and you say, what does God want me to do? And you realize this, he wants you to make disciples. He wants you to lead other people to be like Jesus. He wants you to reflect the light of Jesus so that God gets the glory. And you think about it in these ways. You, you come up with a strategy. You know what the strategy is? You figure out specifically who God wants you to care about that day. You probably get up in the morning and you know who you're going to interact with. 
Now, you're going to have people that you interact with that you don't expect that happens. You're going to have the day not go the way you planned out. But most days, they're pretty simple, right? I mean, most, most of my days, I know who I'm going to see. I know what time I'm going to get to the studio. I know who's going to be here. Sometimes someone's on vacation and I didn't know, or sometimes somebody calls in sick and I didn't realize that. I know how my day is going to go most of the time. Do you strategize spiritually your day? You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. And we're talking about victory and winning. If you are somebody who understands what that is, where are you winning today? Where are you winning spiritually? You know, not necessarily financially, not necessarily in in gaining you know, attention or gaining status or promotion, those things come along. But you want to talk about winning? How do you encourage people to win and have victory in Jesus? Or maybe you have a victory that you've had in Jesus. You can share that story, 888-528-2557. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he writes this. He says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, you who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Acknowledge those who work hard among you. You know a way you can have victory today? Let me tell you something. At your church, did you go to church on Sunday? If you're living in the Los Angeles area, you went to church and maybe you had a service of lament for the Dodgers. I know some people who are who are just, uh, it was very hard not to do that. I get it. And if you're in San Diego, I saw some clips of some of you pastors down there wearing your Padres jerseys and celebrating. Great. All right. You know what? Your pastor even though he might be a baseball fan or maybe he doesn't care or he has emotions one way or the other, those really are the least of the things going on. This is Pastor Appreciation Month. Have you given your pastor some appreciation? Speaking as a pastor, I'm no longer a pastor of a church right now. I feel like that gives me some license to talk about being a pastor and maybe to talk about things your pastor is never going to tell you. And there are reasons why pastors sometimes don't share everything. You know, Pastor's Appreciation Day, I think there's a day, I think it might have been Sunday. It's the whole month. The last church that uh, I was at at First Baptist, my last Pastor's Appreciation Day, did, they did a thing for the whole month. And every week they called me and Christy up on the stage and uh, did something for us. And I got to tell you, I have, I have mixed emotions about it because I don't want it to be about me. The church is about Jesus. All right, that matters a lot. And sometimes, let's face it, the church can be about the pastor. Um, but I have to say that one of the things they did, there was one time where people got some gift cards and that was fun. And there was lots of different things that they did and they tolerated me being a Dodger fan. And, uh, it seems to me last year we were disappointed also. The best thing I got was a jar full of notes, a jar full of notes that people had organized and wrote me little notes and Christy little notes. And they just put them in a jar and they handed us this jar. There's no monetary value to it at all. It's, you know, I don't know if it's something, how long it's going to just sort of last, but I'll tell you what. In fact, those notes, a lot of them are anonymous. I don't even know who they're coming from. Some people put their name on them. Some people I know what, you know, maybe because they came and said the same thing, but a lot of them, I have no idea who wrote them. There's a bunch of them. I kept that. That's more important. That's more important than anything because, you know, your pastor gets a lot of hate mail. And you might be surprised by this, but there's somebody there sitting there who you all think might be a pillar of the church, or you might think is somebody who is super uh, right with the Lord, but deep down somewhere they're not. And I think every pastor can say there's, 
they've had these people in their, their church, and you love these people the same, and everybody has to grow. Some of these people, maybe they don't know Jesus. Some people, they just need to uh, have victory in Jesus. But it's amazing how many things are going on. And you don't know how many times he is out in the middle of the night. One of the hardest seasons I ever had as pastor is I wound up being somebody's um, power of attorney. And the reason I was their power of attorney is because they had nobody. There was nobody who was able to help them. They were estranged from their family. The family was kind of a mess or not alive. And as that person was dying, the hospital keeps calling me all throughout the nights. And I was going through kind of crisis time in ministry and some difficult decisions to make and multiple things going on. And nobody knew that I'm up all the, all the time taking phone calls from some hospital trying to determine whether this person should live or die. Crazy. You have no, see, you probably don't know that about pastors. I don't think my church ever really knew that. Uh, there's stuff going on. Would you do this? And I'm getting this from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. That matters. Have you just said thank you to your pastor? Don't say thank you, but. But assume this about your pastor, and it can be true about other staff. It can be true about volunteers maybe in your church. In fact, I think it's true about most people, right? As most people have stuff going on that nobody knows about. And we sort of, you know, you might have something that you're just holding inside and and nobody knows, and it can be a, a lonely thing. Sometimes it's just nobody's business. This is why we should uphold and acknowledge our pastors and our leaders, and then even our friends. So right now we're talking about pastors, but there are so many people to encourage. If you want to have victory, one way to have victory as you seek first the kingdom of God. In doing so, you look to the word of God and see what it instructs you to do. And here's an instruction. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Give some love to your pastor today. Would you do that? If you do that, you know what happens? You have a winning day because you encourage somebody who needs it. They may not even acknowledge how badly they needed it. But in an era where so many pastors are are quitting or having moral failures or other things, a big piece of that puzzle, a big way to prevent that is encouragement that comes from you and me to our pastors. Would you do that? That's one way to win. I'm going to tell you some more ways to win from Scripture. And if you want to share your story about winning, give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, or you can send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, 888-528-2557. I'm with you every day from 3 to 5. It is Monday. We're talking about winning, winning. So if you are in L.A., you might have a different thought about winning today than you might if you are in San Diego. And uh, we have acknowledged all of that uh, beforehand. But what does it mean to win in Jesus? What do you do each and every day to to win? Do you feel like you have victory in Jesus, like the song we used to sing? Do you feel like you can get every single day and have victory? You know, one of the things is every day you can have victory. It's a daily thing. 
it's it's something that every single day you can get up and have victory in the Lord if you focus on the right thing, if you order your loves in the right way, if you keep first the kingdom of God. You can tell your story about victory or winning. Just call me at 888-528-2557 right now. 888-528-2557 is the number. Jennifer in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Um, I'd like to say winning is doing selfless acts. Mm. And something that I've decided to do with my daughter, um, our church has asked the people from our congregation to donate time to another church that is struggling with getting volunteers to help them feed um, low-income families and the homeless. So we decided to um, sign up monthly to help that other church. And um, it's been a beautiful way to be selfless and to meet other people and just to kind of spread love and be cheerful. But in addition, something I do try to do every day, I try to give some somebody that I don't know a compliment. I try to say hi to people, smile, and just make people feel loved. So that's what I do. You know, I think it's great that your church is helping another church in this way. So there's some other church that was not having enough volunteers for their, their program, and your church is helping out? Yes, they've asked. And, and to be honest, there's there's only three people from my church that have gone to this other congregation, and we've helped out as much as we can, because this other congregation every month feeds the homeless and low-income families, gives them clothing, gives them uh, furniture, whatever they need. And so they ask us, too, if you have clothing or if you can get donations for us, we'd appreciate helping these other families. So we've definitely done that. We've participated as much as, as we can with our time and with offering, you know, buying clothes. I buy, I've bought some clothes and mm-hmm. some household stuff for, for these needy families. Yeah, Jennifer, let me tell you something. You keep doing that. I think that churches working together needs to happen more often. I agree. Absolutely. And, and it's part of winning, right? One of the reasons maybe we're not winning kind of in our churches is we don't get outside of our walls and we, we compete against other churches without saying we're competing. But the truth is, it is happening. Oh, it is. And this, our church really wants to help other churches who need the help. This particular church is a very small congregation. But there probably is about maybe 50 people at mm-hmm. most at this church. And if you see the amount of people that line up that are homeless and that are low income and, you know, need clothing, this one woman broke my heart because she said, I came here just to look for a bra and I wanted to cry. So I went out and I bought some bras for next month, you know, for different sizes for different people. And so it it hurt me because I don't have a lot, but I'm willing to give my last to help somebody who has nothing. And so that's what I, to me, I, I mean, I don't, I don't sit there and toot my own horn, but when you talk about winning, it makes me feel good that I'm able to help others as, as much as I can. You know, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for your call on that story. Let me tell you something about this, why I think it's so powerful. And we just have to, we have to hear this in church, okay? Those of us who go to church, I know some, a lot of you don't go to church somewhere, and maybe some of this is something you see. Because I'll tell you what, some of, some of our listeners who don't go to church, and either you're not a believer or you just haven't been to church for a long time, this is something that I hear a lot, is that there is frustration with the mission that we've been given from Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations, to take care of widows and orphans and those who are oppressed, to take care of those people, that we don't work together more often. And that we seem to 
you know, I don't think there's too many churches out there would say that they're competitive with, you know, the other church across town or the other church. But let me ask you this. How many churches in our going in whatever direction are completely unaware of what's happening with Christians in some other part of town? We have a lot of big cities in uh, Southern California, lots of population, and it doesn't take too long of a drive to be in a completely different part of town where there's different economic issues going on. There's different family issues. There's different issues with crime. There's different issues with wealth. So many different things. I think the time is now for churches. It's always been the time. But right now, churches need to do something that Jennifer was describing where we get together. And it's hard. It's hard because what churches tend to do is they might go somewhere and do a mission event locally or do some kind of outreach, and then churches want to put their label on it and say, now you need to come to our church, and you need to come worship in our church and fill our seats, and we have a better band than you have, and our pastor is better, and we have a better facility or something like that. I've seen it the other way. So I had an experience one time where I wanted to help a church. I was having regular meetings at a church. Uh, and it was inner city church, lots going on there. And they had gang related ministries and they had a, a food giveaway just like this. And they were struggling with volunteers and with money. And I'm like, well, I'm 15 minutes away. I can be here. We can pay for this. We can do this. And they said, no. <laughs> and it was, it was nice. And they kind of had their reasons, but I thought you're talking about no longer being able to feed the people in your community in this great program you have, but you're going to say no to another church that wants to help. And there is this this protection sometimes that we have of our little bubble. We There is a protection that we have that says, you know, um, and this is what I'm, this is what I mean by disordered loves. Because for the sake of the kingdom of God, if everyone were to leave my church and go to some other church, and in doing so, more people come to Christ, if doing so, more people are, are helped in the name of Christ, great. Then whatever church I'm at, we can close our doors and sell the property and give the money to that church or some mission. So what? It's all the Lord's. Do we really view it that way? I mean, do we honestly view it that way. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. See what I mean by by winning? Jennifer, who if you just call, just uh, joined us, was talking about how another church asked her church for help with a mission program where they're giving food and clothing away to poor people in their community. And their church said yes, and they've sent a few volunteers. Jennifer is one of them. See, that's winning because that's seeking first the the kingdom of God. So often we seek first our own kingdom, our own kingdom of the name on the sign. Let me tell you what, churches, and once again, I told you, I'm speaking to you as pastor. Can I speak to to all of us? And there's a lot of stuff going on. If you're saying, yeah, that's my church, we don't want to, we got to fix that. Well, you know, don't blame your pastor and stuff. There's bureaucracy and there is, there are so many things going on that makes it hard to, to make these connections with other churches. But can I encourage you to do that and to not be sad if somebody who is new to your church and they hear about some other church you're helping out and they decide they want to attend and give at that other church? We're all one church. We are one church. Jesus looks down and he doesn't see 1,500 churches. He sees one. And we meet in different congregations, and I think each congregation has a responsibility to the neighborhood they're in, to the people who go there, for sure. But I got to tell you what, when I, read, when I read the New Testament, and I'm reading about these different churches in these different cities, they are 
not that far away geographically. Now, they don't have cars and planes, right? So it takes longer to get there. But churches that are in wealthier communities, I cannot see them not helping churches that are in poorer communities out financially or with food or with clothes. The trouble I think today is, is not that we don't want to do that. I think the trouble today is that we don't know what the needs are because we don't even communicate. I think that the trouble, the reason that the church doesn't do more together is that we're kind of unaware at what the Christians are dealing with in different communities, different parts of town. Are you aware of what Christians are are dealing with, say, in an Iranian community? I'm working on something for our program where we want to talk about what's happening in Iran right now. There's there's a million Iranian Christians or Iranians, I think, right here in in Los Angeles, just a million. And Iran, the country of Iran, has the largest growth of Christians right now than it has in something like that region in like 1,400 years or something. It's incredible what God is doing, and yet Christians are being persecuted. And what you're seeing right now in this this uprising, if you're not aware, there was a woman who was beaten to death because she wasn't wearing her hijab correctly. And all of the young women now for going on a month have been protesting. I mean, it's it's a major deal. There could be another revolution actually in Iran. This is the solution, by the way, to uh, the Iranian nuclear problem is this. We should be all about it. Um, and we should be in prayer for those people. And there are there are people in our town who have family over there who right now they don't know if they're going to get arrested. We don't know if they're going to get beaten or killed. And last I looked, there's been quite a few people beaten and killed in the past couple of weeks, many of whom are killed because of their Christianity. We have, we have people who are our brothers and sisters in Christ right here in our town who are suffering over that. Do we even know that? Not to mention battles that are happening in Armenia and other places that don't make the news the Iranian thing should be huge on the news. I know it's been on the news, but it should be a huge story. It should be a major, major deal. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Do you know what's happening in other churches? See, putting the kingdom of God first means that we are concerned about what God is doing all around. Certainly in our own areas, in our own relational world, that's where God has placed you, and that's, I think, where you have to focus every day. But collectively, when we come together as a church, you know, are we in a position to help other churches? Are we in a position to say, hey, we're all in the same team here on the same street or the same town. What can we do to give people in our city together to put our resources together, to put our shields together and say, hey, in this hopeless, crazy world we're living in, we have the message of hope. And you can hear it here, 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 and here. And there are people in all these different places, and they might do their music different, and they might do different things differently, but we believe the same thing. I realize there's an issue with places that you know, believe not in the gospel. That's different. But if you believe in the gospel, if you believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he died for your sins, that he's the only Savior available, then you have, you have a call to win in the right ways. See, this is seeking the kingdom of God first, capital K, not the kingdom of whatever area we live in. I got to take a break. I'll take your calls when we return. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. You can also send an email to SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. 
Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. The number is 888-528-2557. We're talking about winning. And if you're in Los Angeles, well, you know, winning has eluded us. But if you're in San Diego, you know exactly what winning is. And congratulations. And that's a baseball reference. You know, there are sports stories. If you're not a sports person, there's a lot about sports, you know, in the Bible, sports references, you know, the Timothy tells us an athlete, Paul writes in Timothy, Second Timothy 2.5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And First Corinthians 9, Paul says, uh, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. There's a lot in Scripture about having victory, about winning, but you got to win at the right things. So often we find ourselves you know, we climb the ladder of success or the ladder of wealth or the ladder of of status or whatever it is, and we spend all of this time winning or we think we're winning, and then we get to the top of that ladder and we discover that it's leaning against the wrong building. And over on the other building is our family and our friends and our faith and all the other things that actually we would have gotten. And what it turns out is that we didn't seek the kingdom of God first. We sought it second or third or fourth. And Jesus tells us that we seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added, not all these things and then throw the kingdom of God in the mix. And there are lots of statements about victory, victory over death and victory over the evil one. And there's so many things about overcoming. Victory is a big theme. Do you have victory? Share with us, if you want to, a call. You can call us about victory, 888-528-2557, There was another sporting event this weekend. It's kind of funny what happened, but if you watch college football, Tennessee beat Alabama, and I don't get into it that much, but I got into this because the fans went crazy at the end of this game. They won 52-49, to and when the fans, college football fans, came out on the field, the Tennessee fans, the first time they beat Alabama in, I guess, 15 years. So it's a big deal, and everyone's pretty excited. They come out, and they tore down the goalposts, and the, the fans tore down the goalposts. This is the winning team, okay? The winning team does this. Tears down the goalposts and drags them out of the stadium and takes the goalposts outside and throws them in the river. That actually happened. And that, they were so excited about the victory. I don't know what tearing down the goalposts, where that even started from. But a funny thing about it is the Tennessee football uh, organization from the school, they put out a note this morning based on this. And they said, the note said this, Hey, y'all, remember how we tore the goalposts down, hauled them out of Nayland, and uh, dumped them in the Tennessee River? Yeah, that was awesome. Anywho, turns out that in order to play next week's game, we need goalposts on our field. Could y'all help us out? And then they did like a fundraiser for it. They needed over $150,000 or something to replace the goalposts. They got it, too. In one day, they got all that money back. Um I don't know that the right move in victory is tearing down the goalposts. I understand that excitement. Let me ask you something. Do you have victory in Jesus where you have that kind of excitement? Have you had a moment where in your faith, maybe even in your own personal faith celebration, you know, you did something kind of stupid, but you did it out of, out of excitement? I had an answer to prayer one time, and I was at a camp and I remember it came in a letter that I got, and I remember being so happy about it. And it was a specific answer to prayer about something that was in a relationship between two other people that I had been working with, and it was it was important. And it went the right way. 
and I was so glad about it that I climbed to the side of this mountain. I just want to go up and worship God. I don't know if you ever do this, but you know, go somewhere and just worship God by yourself. It's amazing. And I climbed the side. I want to go up this hill, and I there must have been a path to get up there, but I couldn't find it. So I just decided I'm going to climb up the side of the hill. Now, this was a long time ago when it was when I was uh, youthful and capable of climbing the side of a mountain. And so I did. And I almost fell like eight or nine times going down that mountain. I'll never forget how stupid that was when I got But I made it. I got up there. One of the best times of worship and victory I've ever had in my life. Now, I found the path, and I came down the path the other way. But, I mean, I'm pulling on vines and climbing on all kinds of stuff. I fell multiple times. Don't do that. But that's how excited I was about answered prayer. And I don't get that excited every time I have answered prayer. But that time I did. And have you had that experience with the Lord? This is what happens when you put the kingdom of God first. You actually can have victory. And you know what? I had gone through a lot of defeats, and I've had a lot of defeats since then, or it seems like it. But I'll tell you what, at this point in my life, every defeat I've ever had or what seemed to be a defeat, God used it for victory. Every single bad thing that was either a result of something stupid I did or something that was sinful or something that happened that was because of somebody else's sin— but impacted me, every one of those things God has used for the good, just like his word promises to do. See, when you have the your loves ordered in a way of seeking the kingdom of God first, you will always seek the benefit of God's kingdom. And when that's your attitude, then good and bad, the things that happen, you can put them in that perspective, and you can have a really difficult day, but you can go home and decompress and then say, you know what? How are you going to use this, Lord? And I trust you that you're going to use it and that I'm going to be okay. That happens when you put the kingdom of God first. Or when you have victory and you just have an amazing day and you know that God is involved and you go worship him. It's an amazing thing. It's okay to have winning. Winning, once again, is not the defeat of your personal enemy. It is the winning over of your enemy if you have an enemy. And that's the, that's the thing, is that if you have victory with somebody who is an enemy, you know, sometimes you do have enemies. I mean, if I ask you if you have an enemy, some of you would say, well, I don't know if I really have an enemy. There's people I don't like. But some of you have an enemy. Some of you have, no, this person is my enemy, and they are out to get me. And they really are. And I'm not just paranoid. They really are out to get me. You have those people. You know what victory is? Real spiritual victory is not just that you are able to defend yourself or knock that person out if it's something that is, I don't mean physically, but I mean in the sense of they're unable to attack you any further. Certainly there's victory in that and even victory in the Lord. But the best victory is when you win that person over to Christ. The best victory is because you followed Jesus and you decided to love your enemy and to pray for those who persecute you. And those prayers are answered and suddenly they become Christians and you're a part of their story. And you say, yeah, you know, we really used to hate each other and we were really doing this and now we're, we're friends. That's victory in Jesus. That's the victory that we have when we, with Jesus, by the way, because we were enemies with God. You might say, I was never an enemy with God. No, you were. Before you knew the Lord, you were. Before Jesus died on the cross, we were separate. And the way Jesus dealt with us, the way the Father dealt with us, he sent his one and only son to die in our place. See, that's, that's victory. Scripturally, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. We talked about that, and acknowledge your pastors for who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. It doesn't have to be your pastor. It could be your mom. 
Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live at peace with one another. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The other way to have victory every day is to give thanks, to have an attitude of gratitude for whatever comes your way that day. If it's a great thing, if it feels like you got victory, then give thanks for it. If it feels like you took a defeat or you didn't have a good day, you know, the attitude of gratitude is is you give thanks for the things that you still have, that you still have life, that you still have your life, and give thanks for the opportunity that God has put in your life with whatever challenge has come your way. See, then you have victory even in a time of difficulty. You have victory in a time where things are are complicated or even when you're hurt. And this is how we navigate the icebergs of life, the different things that come our way. This is the will of God for us to do this, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And then with other people, you have grace for them. You have repentance because it's sin that creates so much defeat in our life. And when you repent, you realize that things are so much better on the other side of repentance. Sometimes people, you know, they're thinking, oh, I don't want to repent from that because I'm enjoying this too much. Yeah, you're not enjoying it as much as you think. And the joy that you're going to have when there is repentance, when you are right with God, it's called victory. It's called victory over the things that are killing you. Everything that sin touches, it dies. Sometimes it dies immediately. Sometimes it takes some time. But the sin's going to kill it. When you repent, it puts you in such a better place in your life. It's great. And you're free to love others. You're free to love Jesus. You are free to love the people that God placed in your life. If you want to do something to win every day, think about the people that God has placed in your life. Pray for them every day and every morning. Say, God, use me in the life of the people that you've put in my relational world. The people I know I'm going to see at work today or that I expect to, the people that I run into that maybe I didn't expect, help me love those people today. Give me that opportunity. God's going to answer that prayer. And when you go home from work and you're decompressing or you go home from taking care of the kids or you just get a moment to yourself, whatever your situation is, and you're able to think for a minute, you're going to be able to say, I've got victory today because I loved somebody in the name of Christ that he put in my life. That's a really good deal. All right, friends, we're going to have hour two of Southern California Live. We'll talk about the election and some other things going on in hour two. We are on every single day from three to five. If you want to get the podcast, just go to the radio station website and you can get the podcast there of any hour of our show if you missed it. And or if you just want to hear it again, you can do that. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition of Southern California Live continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.